Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Duncan, one of the pastors here at Calga Valley. We want to welcome you to our service today. Thank you for spending some time with us. Think about this. Somebody you know is living a life that is not flourishing. They're not flourishing. Maybe they aren't seeing some things the right way. Maybe they aren't able to express themselves the right way. And you're burdened by that person because life just isn't working well for them. What do you do about that? Well, today we're going to take a look at a story from the life of Jesus, and we're going to see how he encounters somebody whose life isn't flourishing, and Jesus takes action. And I think we can learn some things from how Jesus engaged this person that will help us engage our friends and family members and co-workers too. Um, and in this story, we're also going to find that Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verse 23, he who does not gather with me scatters. So he is basically inviting us to gather with him and for him people who are far from God. And he doesn't really give us um, this neutral option. If you're not for me, you're against me. And if you're not gathering with me, then you're scattering. So my question for you is, when you think about your friends that are far from God, your friends that are not flourishing, are you really on mission to gather them for Jesus? Because if you're not, according to Jesus, you're actually scattering. You're actually not for him. You're actually working against him. And so he invites us through this passage of Scripture to actually scatter with him, or gather with him, excuse me. He wants us to gather with him. So would you pray with me as we get into this text and kind of understand some principles that Jesus wants us to live out, some practices he wants us to engage? Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together around the scriptures. And I pray that you would enliven these scriptures, that they would be like a sword, a spiritual sword cutting into our lives, cutting out those things that don't need to be there, and that you could put things into our hearts and lives that actually will be pleasing to you. Make us gatherers with Jesus, not scatterers. So do this work by the power of your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, here at Cuyahoga Valley, we have talked in months past about a who's your one emphasis, that you should identify at least one person who is far from God, and you're going to pray for that person that they will come to faith. Well, that's what it means to actually gather with Jesus. Who's your one or your who's your two or five or ten. The idea is that God wants to use us to bring other people to faith in Christ. So let's look at four practices from this passage if we want to be gatherers. And the first one is engage the enemy. Engage the enemy. We have an enemy. And your friend that's not flourishing has an enemy. 
In fact, Jesus says in John 10, 10, he goes, the enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy. That's the devil. That's the demons. That's the powers of darkness. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So your friend is captured by the enemy. Let's look at Luke chapter 11 and start with verse 14. And it says about Jesus, he was casting out a demon that was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. So Jesus sees this one person who's not living a life that's flourishing. And when Matthew tells this story, he also says that the person was not only mute, but he was also blind. And Jesus engages this person and actually casts the demon out. So Jesus is engaging the enemy. Are you engaging the enemy in the life for the person that is far from God, who's your friend? Um, I've never really had very many opportunities. I think in my 33 years of pastoring here in Northeast Ohio, I've had two occasions where I've actually um, been praying with someone and voices began to come out of the person that didn't sound like the person. And I think in those cases, it may have been the presence of a person that was influenced by a demon. Uh, But I think that is rare, especially in the Western world. But could it be that plan B for the devil is to inhabit someone? Plan C for the devil is to bring some disaster. Plan D for the devil is to bring some kind of an illness. But plan A for the devil in the lives of people is to disrupt their thinking, to create disordered desires that will lead to a life that just doesn't flourish. The people you know probably have some wrong ideas about God and about themselves and about the world. They have wrong desires, and it's leading them to a life that's not flourishing. Sometimes uh, things can look good on the outside. They can have the nice car. They can have the nice house. They can have the great job. Uh, But still life isn't working so well because relationships can become messed up. They could be experiencing depression and emotional pain. Our desire is to help you defeat the work of darkness in their lives. And how do we do that? Our primary tool is through prayer. Have a prayer shawl here. And it reminds us that the army of God, when we engage the enemy, actually advances on its knees. So you got to recognize that the enemy is alive and well and working to distract that person from Christ. In other words, they, they can't see like this man. They can't see the beauty and the glory of Jesus. And they can't speak of the goodness of God. They can't speak of the forgiveness of Christ. They can't speak of the guidance of the Spirit because the enemy has captured them. So you got to recognize we are in a battle. We are in a war, and it's serious. So practice number one, engage the enemy. Practice number two, 
ignore the critics. If you decide to get involved in a battle like this, uh, people are going to come against you. They're going to question your motives. Uh, they're going to question your words. Uh, they may question your life. They're, they're going to say things like, uh, you're, you're just a hypocrite. You're, you're, you're judgmental. You don't really love them. If you love them, you would just accept the way their life is headed. And so be ready for criticism if you get engaged in this war. And that's exactly what happened with Jesus. Look at verse 15. But some of them, uh, Matthew defines them or describes them as Pharisees. Some of them said, he, Jesus, casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. Now, who's Beelzebul? Well, this is a reference to an Old Testament deity, sometimes called Beelzebub. Um, it actually is a term that could be translated the Lord of the house. And we'll see how that plays out a little bit later. Uh, but it's basically a name that refers to Satan, to Lucifer, to the devil, to the father of lies. And then it says others to test him kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. I'm sure he's thinking, wait a minute, I just cast a demon out of a guy who was mute and now he's talking and you want a sign? Verse 17, but he knowing their thoughts said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? So you're saying I'm casting out a demon by the power of Beelzebul or the power of Satan. This doesn't even make sense. He's already got a foothold in that house. Why would he cast out uh, one of his followers? That just doesn't make sense. And then he goes on to say, um, he goes on to say, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. Evidently, there were a group of exorcists that traveled around Israel in those days, and uh, they supposedly cast out demons. And he's saying to these critics, uh, okay, you've got guys traveling around Israel. They're casting out demons. Uh, whose power are they casting them out with? So he's saying your, your criticisms of me just don't make sense. And so what Jesus is doing, I don't know that he's actually ignoring his critics as much as he's seeking to silence his critics. And I just want to say, if you are engaged in this spiritual war, criticism will come. False accusations will come. Uh, people will say to you that you're doing the wrong thing. Just leave them alone. You know, I don't want to know this. Jesus that you say you know. Your life has all kinds of problems too. Who are you to be talking to me about Christ? Don't quit. Don't give up. When the critics come, don't let the good that you are doing be spoken of as evil. Romans chapter 14 verse 16. So, engage the enemy, ignore the critics, and then rely on the stronger man. Rely on the stronger man. Look at verse 20. Jesus says, But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now this is an audacious claim. 
Because this little phrase, finger of God, would have been known to these Pharisees in those days. Because the finger of God is referred to in the story of the exodus of the people from Egypt to the promised land. Uh, If you remember, the people of Israel were captured by the Egyptians. And God sent Moses, the deliverer, to come. And then he sent a series of plagues. And some of those plagues, the uh, magicians of Egypt tried to reenact. And finally they had a plague, they couldn't reenact it, and they said to the Pharaoh, hey, we can't do this because they're doing this by the finger of God. And so when Jesus says, I'm doing this by the finger of God, he's actually saying, I'm the God who performed the miracles in the Exodus story. And this was blowing everybody's minds that he would say, I'm doing this by the same power that Moses used to, to let the people of Israel go free. And, and then he goes on, he says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. He's referring to the devil here as the strong man who is guarding the palace of the house of a person who is not flourishing in some way. And then he says, but when the stronger than when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides the spoil. Jesus is saying what you just saw me do in the life of this man who is mute when I cast out the demon is you saw me prove to everyone I'm the one who is stronger. The strong man is strong. The power of the enemy is great, but it's not as great as me. I'm the stronger man. And if you're a follower of Christ, I hope this awakens in you a sense of of gratitude and worship and joy. Because there was a day when the stronger man overcame the strong man in your life to set you free. And that's what needs to happen in the life of that person you know who is far from God. We need to enlist the help of the stronger man. We need to implore the stronger one, that's Jesus Christ, to come and defeat the strong man, to set your friend free so that your friend can have a life that's actually flourishing. Rely on the stronger man. It is not going to be your arguments. It is not going to be your wisdom. It is not going to be your ability to communicate truth that's going to set that person free. I mean, yes, we should share our truth the best we can. But our trust has to be in Jesus, who is the stronger one, who alone can defeat the work of darkness in the lives of the people that we love. In Colossians chapter 2, we see where the stronger one actually demonstrates his strength. It says, you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, but God made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses 
by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, and he disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So the place we can see that Jesus is the stronger one is on the cross and at the empty tomb. I mean, the enemy felt like, I want a great victory over Christ. Christ died. I win. But three days later, Jesus came back from the dead. And because he died on the cross in our place for our sins, and because he rose from the dead, he demonstrated that even though the strong man is strong, the devil is strong, that Jesus is stronger still. This is not an equal fight between Jesus and the devil. Jesus is the stronger one, and we should thank him and praise him for that fact. So engage the enemy, ignore the critics, rely on the stronger man, and then furnish the house. Furnish the house. Uh, you can see Jesus talking about this beginning in verse 24. He says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. And then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. I think one of the biggest heartaches in my ministry for 30 years has been people that start out looking really good as followers of Christ, but sometimes they take a turn and end up worse than before. How do you explain that? What happens? And I think what can happen is that the house... Our hearts, our lives, isn't really getting furnished with the things of the Spirit of God. A person might be feeling guilt or shame over some things that have happened in their past, things they've done, things they've said, things abhorrent, and they want freedom from that guilt. And they hear that Jesus dies on the cross to save us from our sins. And I want to be forgiven. I want to be freed from this guilt. So yes, and I want a ticket to heaven. So I want Jesus as my savior. I want Jesus as my forgiver. I want like the kingdom. But they never really get the king. See, you can't have Jesus as Savior without also having Jesus as Lord. His name is Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it says in Romans chapter 10 that we need to confess him as Lord in order to receive forgiveness. So some people, all I want is kind of like $5 worth of God in the gas tank. They don't want to get filled up with Christ. And what I want to say is, is that we need to be people that 
speak the whole gospel of Christ to our who's your ones. And we need to speak the whole gospel of Christ to our own souls. I mean, there are people that will come, they will pray to receive Christ. And then the next day they get up and instead of uh, opening their Bible, they're back on their phones again. They're, 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 taking in messages from the world, messages from social media, all this kind of stuff. And, and, and what happens is that person never really furnishes their lives with the things of the Spirit of God. And that's what we need more than anything else, is to receive Jesus as Savior and to follow him as Lord. And if you're following him as Lord, then you're following. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So am I following in his ways? Am I living according to his truth? Because that's the thing that will ultimately lead to life. That's the way I can have a life that flourishes. So furnish the house furnish the house maybe you're here watching this and you're going I don't have a flourishing life I can't see the beauty of Christ I can't speak of the glory of God I'm like this person who was blind and mute and I need an encounter with Christ because my life isn't flourishing. I remember as a kid hearing a song a long time ago and the words are so simple but so profound. Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay. Come into my heart Lord Jesus. It says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus speaking, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Now that verse is a verse that can be used initially in your walk with Christ. And it can be a verse that you can use subsequently in your walk with Christ. Because we need to be people who are constantly saying, Jesus, I want you into my life and I want you to furnish my house. And so I'm going to engage in Bible reading and prayer and silence and solitude and worship and service and mission. I'm going to give all that I am of me to all that you are. So furnish my life completely because that's the only way to actually live a flourishing life. Now, I, I want to challenge you to be a person that actually engages the enemy and ignores the critics and relies on the stronger man and furnishes the house, you need to be a person who is passionately praying. The thing that God's Spirit has done in me through this message, through preparing for this message, is to encourage me to step up my prayer for my who's your one. That 
My prayers can sometimes be white hot and fervent, and then my prayers can decline in their intensity. God has reminded me this is a spiritual war, and if you want to see your friend flourish, then you got to step up your dependence on me. And so I prepared a little prayer that maybe you could use to pray for your who's your one. And uh, I'm going to send this in to be posted on our blog so you can find it there. Uh, But let me just share it with you now. Lord Jesus, I praise you for being strong and mighty. You alone are the way, the truth, and the life. Help me to be someone who gathers with you and for you. And Lord, I am grieved because my friend, put their name in there, has not encountered you and is not yet living an abundant, flourishing life. I honor you as the stronger one who can drive out the enemy, the strong man in his life. And I ask you to take away my friend's blindness so that he can clearly see the beauty of Jesus. Open his eyes. Open his lips to give you praise. And may my friend open the door of his life and allow you to come in to furnish his life with the good things of the Spirit of God. Lead us to an abundant, flourishing life, both now and forevermore. Amen. I want to encourage you to begin to pray like this for your friends. There's a prayer guide that a few months ago we gave to you. It's called a 30-day prayer guide for who's your one. And inside are just some very short prayers like the one that I just gave you that will allow you to pray for the next 30 days for your who's your one. So I want to encourage you, if you will make a commitment with me to pray for the next 30 days for your who's your one, that you will text the word one, O-N-E, to 440-276-5575. Just text the word one, O-N-E, to the number on your screen. If you will commit to praying, to engaging the enemy, enlisting the help of the stronger man so that your friend can have a flourishing life. Text the word one. And if you're a person who actually prayed with me that prayer into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, then text the word Jesus to that number, 440-276-5575. Or if you're a person who says, I'd like to talk to a pastor about what it means to give my life to Christ so that I can have a flourishing life, so that I can be set free from the enemy, then also text the word Jesus to 440-276-5575. God in heaven, we ask you to help us engage the enemy, ignore the critics, 
rely on the stronger man, the Lord Jesus, and then to help ourselves and others furnish the house with all the good things of the Spirit of God. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.